everybody. We are on episode three of season six and I have Alan Desmere with us from Contact Stage. Hi, Alan. Hello. Um, today we're going to be talking about lead generation, consumer consent online and the consumer duty principle. This is the Practical Protection Podcast. So, Alan, how are you doing? Are things okay where you are? Yeah, they're good. They're good. Yeah, no, I just, just did the school run. So uh, that's, you know, that's back in our lives after a bit of a, bit of a break. Uh, and uh, it's funny because you sort of miss that time, actually, because it gives you some time to think about your day and what's coming on and, you know, what, what, what you need to get done. So uh, and, and this morning I was thinking about you. So oh. you know, there we go. <laughs> no, absolutely. I was going to say I, I did lose that kind of like, yeah, that routine side of things. But I was quite lucky because in um, just very, very close by to us, is like a local football cricket ground type thing. So in the summer, they had like a cricket summer camp on. And, um, and my boys love it. And um, and so they went almost every day to summer camp. So I was just like, just bringing them along like usual. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'll be back at three kids. Kind of yeah. So yeah, it was um, it was very, very handy to have that on hand for, for most of the summer. Okay, so let's get into things, everybody. So I think it's a good idea, Alan, to start off by you telling us a bit about yourself and who you are and what's led you to where you are today. Sure. Uh, well, so look, I... I've been involved in marketing and advertising for 15, 16 years. Um, I've been, I'm a, I'm a, I suppose I'm a, a classic poacher turned gamekeeper, and I'll explain the poacher first. I, I've run two different lead generation businesses. First one based in the US, um, uh, and then I took, brought, sort of brought the model here, really, and set up a business with a business partner called Efinity. Uh, leads and we were a classic lead generation agency involved in lots of different products directly authorized from 2011 um, that was a successful business we were acquired by a private equity firm and then and then latterly they were acquired by Allianz um, and uh, sort of I, I, I hate to sort of put it as a sort of what do you want to do next moment but like, it was literally what do I want to do next I knew I didn't really want to do lead generation anymore um, that business was going to become a distributor and a, now a very successful distributor under the name of, of Candid. Um, but I knew I didn't want to do that. And that's not where my passion lay. So one of the things that I sort of kept coming back to was so I was so deeply frustrated by fraudulently generation, by reselling of consumer data, by how ineffective GDPR had been in terms of actually changing consumer outcomes. You know, we got these great sort of, you know, lengthy cookie cookie descriptions on websites we all have to, we all accept without looking mm. at them but that wasn't actually changing the way that people's data was being protected and so came up with this idea with my business partner Mike Laming of of data consent and certification so our view was we could change the way that people gave their consent and understood that they were consenting by essentially giving giving uh, certifying each data transaction so that mm. we're looking for uh, consent on landing page and, and that business is three years old now we've sort of um we are uh we are growing we are in a, num a number of different sectors clearly protection is, is where we started um health insurance and life insurance and income protection we do lots more now we do equity release and mortgages and we're looking at higher education and solar panels and anywhere a consumer gives their details is we're, what, what we're interested in what we're interested in is two things we want to see the terms and conditions um, and the wording that a consumer is being being asked to sign up to. Uh, mm. And we want to capture that for two reasons. One, we want to see that it's there, but also we're trying to help businesses manage that um, manage that liability. And we'll get into that, what that means, I guess, in terms of the consumer duty. Um, what I would say for your listeners and for this podcast is that we have undeniably, unequivocally proved that misleading data consent leads to a higher cancel from outset and a higher lapse rate um yes. now clearly these are the things that insurers the the whole industry is, is concerned about how do you grow the protection industry well you grow it by by um by making the quality better by by, by stopping people uh, feeling like they've been missold something and one of the things that we what we think is contributing to a you know higher cancellation rate is consumers feeling like they've been tricked into applying for something and so i think one of the things that we help our clients do is see exactly the leads that they're buying um, before we came along. Like it wouldn't, it wasn't possible to know. Oh, what, what, where are my leads coming from? And I think 
clients that work with us now answer that question quite comprehensively because we take a screenshot of the landing page mm. before it gets to them. So yeah, in, in a sort of long-winded potted career history, that's me. Okay, that's brilliant. I mean, there's a couple of things in there that really stand out for me, like you're saying about people just clicking yes to, to cookies and stuff like that. I have to say I'm guilty. And I'm wondering, I don't know if it's maybe sometimes an age type thing or something, because I sometimes see people on Twitter who are older than me and and they'll just say, and I think of my mum as well, and she's just like, it's asking me to do something. What should I do? And I'm just like, mum, it's the NHS. It's fine. Don't worry. They're not going to, you know, well, I say they're not going to do anything data-wise, but I'm just like, look, it's fine. You're just wanting to look at a page on your health condition. Don't worry about it. But I do get a bit blasé about just saying accept things. I have to say, though, I do get, a, I, I am blasé that way, but so like if there's something and it's wanting my date of birth and I can't see why they need my date of birth, I just lie. And I'm just like, well, you're not going to get it, you know, kind of thing. I'm just, you know, obviously if it was my insurance, it's very, very different. Um, but really interesting to say that. And I think another thing you're saying about like, you know, making sure from an advisor point of view about um, legitimacy of where our leads are coming from and things like that. And that, that whole thing about, clawbacks and stuff now I think sometimes as advisors um we can often think you know well that's that's another firm over there that's not us we are advisors we're really good at this and and I think it can sometimes come down to whereabouts you're in that process of seeing it so say like a cure you know we, we have very specific processes in place you know as to where our leads come from and myself and Alan, who own the company, we're, we're right there seeing it in a sense, you know, so we're really on top of it and know what's going on. I'll admit Alan far more than me. I'm not as much of a tech person as he is. But, you know, you know, it's our website. They're coming from there, um, you know, things like that and, and potentially introduced. But again, there is certain amounts of due diligence if someone is introducing clients to you. Yeah that you are still responsible for that. But um, but one stood out for me in my mind there, just if people are thinking, oh, it's just over there. Well, I was speaking to somebody once, and it was a gentleman, and um, I can't remember. I, th I think he was in his 50s, and he'd come to chat to me about some life insurance, and I picked up, and I think this is another thing to say to your duty if you pick this up as well in other situations to potentially step in. So I picked up that he'd been spoken to by an advisor firm about his private medical insurance and significantly reducing his premium on his cover and doing him a new plan. But straight away, I had alarm bells going off everywhere because this person had come to me for life insurance. And as most people know by now, especially, I tend to help people with high risk situations. Now, this person, I can't remember everything, but he had at least had skin cancer in the yeah. last two years. And so straight away, I was just like, so when did they rearrange this policy for you? Or they did it about two months ago. I was like, oh, and how did you go to them? No, they just rang me up. And, you know, this isn't like a, this isn't a dodgy firm or anything, you know, you know, this is an, an advisor firm somewhere who's dealing in private medical insurance. Yeah. And so straight away, because I'm very aware of this kind of thing, having spoken to people like yourself before, Alan, and, and different things that we do, I immediately got a private medical insurance specialist that I know to contact this gentleman. And they had to, obviously, luckily, they were able to reverse everything because straight away there was exclusions on there. There was, you know, it was saving loads of money, but... For a very specific reason, you know, because it was making him a much less quality product. Um, and I think, you know, that's an extra thing as well, as we're saying, it is about finding, making sure your lead sources are legitimate. But it's also making sure that if you are suspicious of something that isn't going right, just dig that little bit more as well. You know, it's, it's not OK just to be kind of like, well, that's that's outside my authorization. So I'm yeah. just not even going to I'm not even going to dabble there and things like that. Um but I'm sure you've seen I, lots of things like that, Alan. No, no, look, I mean, it, it's, it, it, yes. I mean, look, I want to talk today about hotkeys. Um, the, uh, I want to talk about this idea of getting a consumer on the call. Many of your listeners, many of many in, in the protection industry will buy these, what they call hotkeys, which is pre-packaged transfer calls. You know, are, for the most part, I think they're extremely dangerous. And we can talk about what they are and yeah. why they want it, you know, um, um, where we get to. Um, and I want to talk about this cold calling because I, I think this is, yeah, this is exactly, um, you know, I've shared it with you, Catherine, we've done some research into cold calling. GDPR was a huge, you know, it, this, 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 this cookie stuff. Actually, before we go there, hmm. uh, signing up with a fake date of birth is a great idea, by the way, because I do, <laughs> I, I do this on everything. And I, I've, yeah. I've tweeted about this before. It means that when you go to your personal email, more often than not, there's someone wishing me a happy birthday. It's really sort of, yeah. it's a really positive thing every morning. Oh, well, we want to give you this uh, happy birthday message and this discount. Um, yeah. And the answer is you're entirely right. They don't need to know your date of birth. If you're signing up to get buy some beer or, you know, enter a prize draw, they don't need to know your date of birth. But, 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 but back to this, this, this sort of more wider point, you know, we spent 
all this time enforcing GDPR and cooking disclaimers and notices, but we left alone this idea of actually, do you have my consent to call me? Um, and actually, are you being explicitly clear? Now, there are some stuff, some stuff coming down the track um, that we can get into in this podcast that we're, I think that's going to change over the next 12 months. I think you're going to see much more enforcement action on this idea of do you have your con consent to call me back? One of the big things, and I've heard this so many times working with sort of mortgage and, and life insurance intermediaries um, for the last well, more than a decade is people will buy a lead and they'll say, well, that, that consumer's mine now to do, mm. to do, to do what I want with. Um, that couldn't be more wrong. And, and there was a fine just recently for a business who, uh, a financial services firm who bought a load of leads and then put those leads into their marketing funnel and, and subscribe those consumers to their to their sort of regular communications. They've got a fine of a hundred thousand pounds. You know, wow. you if, if you're buying a lead, what you're buying is essentially um, you, you're answering a service request. The consumer wants a quote for life insurance. Mm. You've bought the right to to service that lead and to give that consumer a quote. If that consumer says, "Actually, too expensive. Don't want it," and you call that consumer back. Um, yeah. Uh, in six months' time, you're in breach of, of, of ICO regulations and you get yourself a fine. So I think one of the things we need to think about lead gen and consent is that if you're buying leads, you're, you're, you're buying the, the sales opportunity to speak to that consumer at that moment or over a reasonable moment. Um, you're not buying data. And, and this is where I think there are going to be some very large casualties, um, both insurers, um, both in distributors, um, who are going to get caught out by a changing, a changing sort of regulatory regime. No, absolutely. Because I mean, I know what you're saying there as well, like this whole thing about consent, I say, you know, Kira, we get quite a lot of our um, communications online. And I remember with GDPR and everything, it was an absolute minefield as well, because it was kind of like, so hang on a minute. You know, so we can't say, tick this box to opt out of having a communication. It was more like you have to tick this box to opt in for me to, you know, it was like an even extra layer of consent. Yeah. And, and it seems strange how sometimes, and I think that's probably what you, you, know, you definitely see as well, is that these, there's these such fine barriers between sort of what you do. So, so like if it's a website, it's very, very clear in a sense, or it should be very clear to your IT people and your data protection people, what you can and can't do on those forms in terms of communications with clients. But if you're buying in leads and things like that, it kind of it it blurs where that responsibility lies. And I know you've done some really key research recently, haven't you, on the data control uh, matters report, all about these things like consumer consent. And and you've got some fab statistics in there as well that would uh, be great if you could share some. Yeah, listen, we we uh, thank you. We, we you know we took the view that we were talking about. We're, we're making the case to industry at large, both financial services and non-financial education, whatever, that they need to take the consent of their consumers seriously. But we realized, you know, we're not, not sat here in, the, in a pulpit, right? We, we, we actually, we needed to go and do some actual consumer research. So we asked 5,000 consumers about their experiences of getting a quote online from a financial services provider, but also what they feel about phone calls. And the results are, are absolutely staggering in the sense that, most people, uh, the average person in this country will get, get between five and 10 cold calls a year. That's 193 million, if you want to extrapolate the data out, a year. And these, and these, these half million interruptions every single day range from anything to the, the, the PMI policy that you just mm. said, through to you know, trying to sell you, you know, double glazing or, or a new driveway. But I keep getting text messages. I keep getting text messages right. about a car. It's just like, you were interested in this car, Jasmine. And I'm like, no, I'm... No, and I'm not Jasmine, you know, <laughs> yeah, and I'm just yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like. And, look, and some of them are stupid, right? Some of them, exactly some of them yeah. are stupid. Like, this is just, this is just being, you're just mass marketing me in terms yeah. of a restaurant I want one to. But some aren't, and we know, we both know, yeah. right? We've talked about this before in terms of, especially during the pandemic, uh, some of them are predatory calls yeah. aiming at, you know, uh, aiming at trying to trick vulnerable elderly people or just trying to trick confused people. Like, and the, the life insurance example is, mm. is really a good one in terms of, I can save you money on your life insurance policy. Yeah. That we, we've got to get to a point, I think, where that is not able to happen. No insurer should be putting that business on risk. If, yeah. you, if, I've, call, if I've cold called you and I've said, right, I can save you money and I'm a busy consumer and I've said, yes, 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 all right, let's get it done. 
that business should not be going on risk. And I think oh, yeah. and that, that, that mortgage business should not be going on risk, that, that debt management plan, whatever it might be. I think we need to get to the stage where uh, every, you know, every phone call of that sort of sensitive nature, the consumer must have consented to be called back. And I think why it's dangerous is exactly the, the example that you gave earlier. You know, if that's not going on in a regulated fashion, if, if a lead generator, and I'm using that in the broadest terms, if a lead generator's job is just to ring a load of data that they've bought from some known source and get one hit out of every 50 that turns into a life insurance hockey transfer, yeah. they're, selling that li- they're, they're selling that hockey transfer to a, to a life insurance broker who then is none the wiser. They don't know where that's come from. Yeah. Um, but in the example that you gave, it's, it's, it, you know, it creates, it creates a, a lot of problems. So the research, the, the report will be out sort of uh, uh, early, this, early this month um, in October. Um, and what we've done, gone through is we've gone through each sector and we've gone through describing what people feel like when they get a cold call, what it makes them, why they, they're, they're more likely to cancel, mm. why they, uh, how, how they feel about that process. And we're trying to, I guess, we're trying to show the industry at large that this is something that we need to do to, to deal with. Now, the consumer duty, uh, which is all going to be our, in our lives, you know, very, it's in our lives right now, but mm. it's going to be in our lives by the end of October because your marketing plans have to be ready by the end of October. The FCA will to see them. Uh, the consumer duty is going to say very, very clearly that you have to have oversight over where your leads are coming from. Now, that oversight is not oversight, you know, oh, well, Bob, Bob, Bob sells me leads and they're, they're all cool. <laughs> that oversight has to be like, how have you inputted into the design of that website, into the, the consent of that website? What terms and conditions are the consumer seeing? And every firm is going to be expected to answer the question, where are your leads coming from and what adverts are, is that consumer seeing? And that's, that I think is going to be a big shift. Now I listened, I listened with interest to, to Tom Bagri uh, on, on, on a, the, your podcast last month. Mm. And, and Tom's right in the sense that this all hinges on enforcement. Yes. So uh, this is all hinges on the FCA consumer duty, uh, the FCA under the consumer duty saying, okay, 10 firms, show us where your leads are coming from. Uh, oh, you can't, right? Well, we're going to take appropriate action against you. So I think, but but, but I, from what I've seen so far, I think the FCA is serious about this. That's really, really positive. I was going to say, I'll probably say something that um, isn't the most popular things, um, but like we were saying about enforcement now, absolutely, because as again, many people know, I, I'm an advisor, but I do many different things. And one of the things I do is compliance oversight and cure as well. Um, and I know full well that if I want something doing, it's like I can do the nice, nice approach of I'd like you to start writing this and including this in the reports to eventually write you doing it. Um, and if you don't do it, then <laughs> X, Y, Z kind of thing. But I think a clear thing for me is when you've seen, you know, there's all this about, you know, and we're talking about self-regulation of firms in a sense to, to sort of say to the FCA and prove to the FCA. But like what you were saying, these things should never go on missed. Now, this might not be popular. However, for me, and I, I've said this a couple of times in the past, I really feel that insurers have a responsibility here as well. I feel like insurers should do spot checks, at least, um, on firms that they use um, and are prepared to have agencies form and say to them, right, we're going to do a spot check, check. You've got, I don't know, a week, two weeks to show us your processes on where your leads are coming from and how you know that they are legitimate. Because ultimately... As with anything, you know, a firm can do sort of like, well, I'm doing our best or we're doing this or we didn't realise. And, you know, at first, I don't know, maybe it'd be a slap on the wrist at first and then they can just start doing something different. But ultimately, when we are talking about positive consumer outcomes, I'm I'm very much of the opinion that it's always... Um, you can't ever have anything isolated. So you can't have advisors in one place and insurers in one no, place. Can't. It needs to be interconnected to make sure it's working right. And lead and, generators. I think that's... Yeah, and, and, absolutely. It's everyone, who's, it's everyone who's making money from this chain, right? That, that, exactly. You know. Everybody needs to be making right. So if, you know, if somebody, if, if an insurer speaks to company X and they say, well, we're using lead generator Y, then that insurer, to me, should have very clear access to... Um, lead generator why to say right so what are your processes what are you doing um so that we can make sure across the chain because I, I always think you know from an advisor point of view as well it's you know everybody gets lots of rules thrown at them and everything and you know that's that's always going to be the case but I always think with this side of things I think it's not just about the advisors because as well with anything 
you're going to get advisors who do it right and you're going to get advisors who do it wrong. And the ones who do it wrong are going to try and find some way to make what they're doing sound right. <laughs> and I think, well, yeah. there needs to be someone else there. So so maybe that's um, might not be popular, but that would be my call. My call would be for insurers to step in and uh, do their bit as well with it. Well, look, I don't, I don't mind saying. So I, I have briefed a number of insurers over the last two months. Uh, you know, you get, because of what I do, you get asked to sort of, brief senior leadership teams and i've also um briefed alexa the industry debt body um and i think for the first time i you know i i don't want to i don't want to uh, be indiscreet but i think for the first time uh properly a number of insurers are waking up to this because of a number of issues over the last 12 months of quite obviously misleading lead generation forms causing firm insolvency and causing higher lapse rates. So I think actually it is higher, you know, I also, as well as, as well as, as well as being involved with politics, I will be involved with lead generation. I've also been involved in sort of broadly with politics over the last 10 years. And I think one of the things that, one of the things that uh, the the similarities between politics and life insurance is uh, there's a lot of good, there's got a lot of well-intentioned good initiatives out there, but because of the size of the industry, um, and and the same with politics because the size of the problem it's so slow like we all know we all know what we should have been doing about energy we all know what we should have been doing about the cost of living and, and various things but it just takes time and I think yeah. you know we've been on this campaign for three years now and I think actually there's some really good movement with insurers who are beginning to realize that there's a correlation between that dodgy Facebook advert that that, yes. that you know is promising all sorts and then what they then see with the amount of insolvency on the back end and that that's look we are, I think I'd like to paint a much sort of better picture for you, actually, in terms of, we did a, we did a for, for a major insurer about two years ago, we did an audit of the lead generation sector. Mm. And we found about 200 lead gen firms were producing protection leads. Right. Um, now, I think that number's more like 150, and it's going to keep shrinking. And the reason it's going to keep shrinking is because intermediaries and insurers are getting tougher with the sorts of firms that they work with. So there are more questions being asked. So we work really closely with a number of lead gen firms who are integrated with contact state. And I tell you, like, I've never known a more detailed compliance conversation going on than the, than the one we just had over the last two months with lead generators saying, what do I need to do to be ready for consumer duty? Now, all of, all of contact state's clients are asking their lead generators, right you know we're going to go into some proper deep dive into your advertising yeah. and your landing pages like this stuff is going on it might not i know that there's a often a clamor to sort of blame lots on lead gen but what i would say to your listeners is that the change in what's going on under the hood has been remarkable over the last yeah. over the last year or so and what you've got now is you've got probably 30 or 40 lead generation firms who on the whole are directly authorized and not exclusively who are actually going to take the lion's share of the market they're going to they're going to professionalize they're going to be much more like old-fashioned ad agencies in the sense that you know you won't just get a knock on the linkedin door and say oh here i'm here to sell you leads there will be an accepted 30 or 40 lead generators who generate yeah leads that, that, that they're happy to share the consumer duty that, no, sorry the consumer journey they're happy to share the adverts they they're very clear with the consumer what happens next that's where we're evolving to the sector yeah. is professionalizing um and but it's all got to happen in tandem and an insurer who will remain nameless had a very frank conversation with i said well look if you wanted to change this you could insist to your to your distributors to tell you exactly where all their leads come from yeah they said to me no word of a lie they said to me if we did that we would lose them they would simply go to another insurer so this isn't this isn't uh this isn't this isn't um it's a commercial question here as well it's not just a it's not just uh it's not just a you know, a compliance question. It, there's a there's a commercial reality here, which is um, everyone's got to move together. Yes, and and I, I think with like with podcasts like this, all the work you've, you know, you clearly do. There's an understanding now that this has got that we are professionalizing. Now, I think the the, the point that I you know bang on about is that a consumer that understands where they're applying and then gets treated properly in that data process is not just a compliant lead that means you're not going to get a fine it's also one that's not going to cancel 
It's also one that you're going to be able to have a better conversation with. It's also one that you're going to be able to go back to and have. And so all of these things, like consumers who know what's going to happen to them next, uh, are actually better. And we've got the stats to prove it. We can sh- we yeah. can show what compliant certified leads look like six months down the line uh, compared to cancellation rates of consumers that are sort of hassled onto the phone. It's good for business. And I think that's the, it's not just a, it's not just a regulator trying to make your life difficult. It's actually, it's actually a good reason to do this. Yeah, no, I completely agree as well, because, you know, I think again, from, if you're an advisor, you know, it's sorry, if, you, if you're a true advisor kind of mentality and business and everything, then you, in many ways, you don't often want those fast leads in a sense, because of the fact that, like you say, they don't stay, you know, and there's no, I don't want to say loyalty from the customer side of thing, but, you know, in my, my head, I'm, try, I'm trying to think of a better word that isn't loyalty, but, you know, you build, as an advisor, you build a rapport with your client, you remember them, you remember things about their lives, they then remember you. If it's a fast lead, then they've got no, they've got no reason to stay. It'd be like, you know, doing your car insurance online or something. If it's super fast, they don't know you, never going to remember your name, not remember the conversations. And and you don't want that because, again, there's a number of reasons is that one very easy for when their data suddenly is, you know, sort of picked up again by someone else. They'll just jump to the next person who's prepared yeah. to, I don't know, do something else to make it slightly cheaper for them. You know, there's there's so many reasons not to go down that route. And I think, you know, it's really important you say as well, you know, when you say that lead gen firms, they aren't all, you know, doom and gloom and everything. You know, there are very, very legitimate lead firms. It's just from an advisor point of view, incredibly important to sort of like be really asking those questions of where are these coming from? Yeah. We think this is a legitimate firm. Have we actually done the due diligence to really double check that this is a legitimate firm, not just sort of, well, we've used them because, you know, Sally that we've known for 10 years also uses them, you know, kind of thing. Have we really taken the steps there to make sure that everything is going exactly as we want it to be? I know you said as well that in terms of like the um, targeting, especially the vulnerable and and potentially the elderly as well. I mean, that's a key thing that, again, it stands out for me with my mum. So my mum has um, a number of different health conditions and she gets very very anxious now about phone calls and so I do a lot of the stuff for her in a sense and um and and different things and she even she's got to a stage now and it really goes against her in terms of her kind of like her personality if she's now at a stage of kind of going to be no thank you I really don't want that thank you very much kind of thing and going to put the phone down and it's she ends up in that thing of sort of like she either puts the phone down and then she feels horrendously guilty for a long time that she's put the phone down on someone or they put the phone down on her when they realize they're not gonna like win her over and then she's just like how can people be so rude you know kind of thing you know and I'm exactly the same but with my mum it actually it really it can massively affect somebody and their their health you know for for quite a bit and you know we've had it as well and I think another one um, I'm sure I've used this as an example before on an episode and I think it's a good one to bring it in here as well so we had somebody that we had arranged life and critical illness for and um and you know everything was fine but you know and it was all done dusted and everything and this person had a health condition that meant it had been very very tricky to get the crone um to get the critical illness cover i think they'd had crohn's so it was very the way that their health was very very tricky to get it and we got it for them and then we had it where i think it was about it was less than a year later or something we suddenly get all the cancellation notifications in and stuff like that. And we're thinking, what's going on? So we got in touch and everything. And this person, will be, I'll be honest, they weren't particularly pleased with us when we got on the phone with them because they said, yeah. you, you've pulled a fast one on me and all this kind of stuff. And we ended up eventually realising that, again, their data from somewhere had been sold. They'd been contacted and someone had said, oh, well, you're paying this amount here. We can get it for you for a third. And what the other firm had done, um, instead of life and critical illness cover, they tried to convince them, or they had convinced them, that terminal illness cover, which is part of life insurance, was in fact critical illness cover. So they said they could do like for like policy for a third of the price. It was less than a third for the price, I think. So anybody who's very familiar with those products will know how immensely yeah. different they are. And and we were in a really tough situation because, again, you've got a scammer there who's doing something, yeah. you know, dodgy with the leads and everything with that data. You've got someone who obviously is thinking, why have I been paying all this money? How dare you have done this when I could have had it for this price? To then genuinely be saying to somebody, yeah. Yeah. and we, you know, we went through it all and we started saying to them, please, and we just kept saying to them, please, if you don't ever use us again, if you don't want to speak to us again, whatever you want to do, fine, read the documents. This is what you had. This is what you have now. Read them, please. And they came back to us 
I think within a few days and they were mortified yeah absolutely sure. mortified um very upset and the reason I want to say this as well and the reason I bring this story up is that this wasn't a vulnerable person you know this was just I want to say you know just someone it was just someone like the rest of us they had uh, I think they were probably in a bit of like a management position they had a job they had a family they were just like any one of us but they'd been caught out by that phone call that said well yeah. it's, it should only be a third of the price and they immediately just were drawn by it so it doesn't have to be you know this isn't necessarily saying that this is clients of um certain sort of like conditions or certain like academic ability or anything like that this can be literally anybody and I guess again and again you just you'll see that far more than the most I imagine seeing all these kind of practices uh, you do I mean uh, and that's something that the, the the research pulls out it says that 48 percent of the people that get a cold call are angry you know when you're talking about 193 million cold calls a year that's what our research puts out uh, oh. half a million a day you know that's a lot of angry people and, yeah. and, and you, you don't have to uh, these people are taking the cold calling idea is you have to be successful once out of every hundred times to work right oh, wow. and that's why and that's why that's a lot of data to be churning through to find that yeah. vulnerable person or that person who's not on top of their finances to say okay yeah I, you know I should, be, I should be it's why consent and consent is the thing that underpins all of this it's why consent is so important I should have your consent to call you back and make my sale and why that's so important is because sort of assumed in that consent conversation is that you have the training and the regulation and the, the wherewithal to actually prop, treat me properly if you haven't got my consent and I and, and, and you call me out of the blue you're quite literally anybody and I think that's the thing if I could make any sort of plea or any sort of uh, you know way to speed this thing up and get it easier is, is if it's all, if all distributors had to prove, uh, all distributors and insurers had to prove that the consumer has consented to be called back for this sales conversation, uh, overnight you can make a dramatic amount of difference. And I think yes. one of the things that we're saying to the industry at large, not just the protection industry, is uh, you know we do a lot of work in equity release, for example, mm. and that's on where, in terms of vulnerable, more elderly people yes. are making massive decisions about perhaps perhaps life changes decisions about the money they're borrowing. That's when we're working very closely with the Equity Release Council to make this a principle to say, if you're going to buy an Equity Release lead, that mm -hmm. consumer must have consented to that conversation and you must have proof that that you know, of, what, what, of what they've seen on that journey. And I think you know, this, is a long, this is a long journey, Catherine. It's not going to happen yeah. overnight. Uh, I, know, I know people get frustrated about it and want to change it. And that's, you know, but it, it's something that we are you know, working very, very, carefully and seriously on about how you set a standard the fca consumer duty talks about sludge design uh that all any advisor in their own marketing any regulated firm in their own marketing or any external marketing for which they mean lead generation has to challenge sludge design and our sludge design is is where uh i get you to sign up for a prize draw right and say you might win five thousand pounds and I call you back and say, here's life insurance. Or right, it's yeah. where I trick you into applying for something. Or I, I tell you something that's not true. Like, for example, I, on your page, I tell you that you've been selected for a, a mortgage. But actually, I'm just trying to get you to think that's sludge design. And so yeah. I think one of the things that I'm personally very interested to see how the regulator deals with now, it's at this very high bar, is how they challenge sludge design. Mm. Because if they, want to, if, if they want to work on it, there's some good examples and good good things that we could do to actually make sludge design go away. So for example, one of the things that I would like to see is I'd like to see on the, on a landing page, when you apply, when you, when you landed on a lead generation advert and you, you're about to fill in the details, I want to see in that terms and condition notice, I want to see exactly what's going to happen to the consumer next. You're going to be called back by an FCA authorized uh, intermediary, but I want to see the name, of the intermediary that's making the call. I want to know yeah. that it's X or Y. I want to see that. And that's the ASA is get, the advertising standards authority is getting quite close to that in terms of making that mandatory. It, it has, and Catherine, I could, I could honestly bore you for three or five hours, <laughs> four, four or five hours about the, the regulation about, but they've got the, the, their latest rulings are around lead generation websites that act outside of the, the, their purpose. Yeah. By what they mean by that, they're saying is you're pretending to be a broker, but actually you're you're just trying to sell data. Yeah. So 
And you're going to see over the next six months um, disclaimers appearing on lead generation websites, which basically say, I'm a lead generator. I connect you to my clients who are authorized, directly authorized lead gen firms. We get paid a fee for that. Yeah. All's good. And, and, and that, that, that's brilliant. That's what, that's, you know, there are, there are so many talented lead generators out there who do a brilliant job for their clients. And we've got to level the playing field so that, you know, they're not undercut yeah. by scammers. No, absolutely. I'll just um, quickly uh, jump back a second from what you were saying there yeah. and then bring it back to Saika. I want to ask something about the data side. So um, so the thing you mentioned about the equity release, now I don't do equity release, but that is something that I'm really keen about as well because um, my dad has Parkinson's and I do quite a bit with them, Parkinson's UK. And one of the key things for me is that there are a lot of people with a health condition like Parkinson's who start to look towards equity release because they needed to make adaptations to the home, lots of different things. And one of the key problems is, is that they, a lot of the time, and I'm not saying that they necessarily have to speak to a financial advisor, but to get access to a financial advisor, they don't often have the amount of assets that an, an, a full financial advisor would require for them to be a client. And so yeah. to me, that's a key area that I'm very, very passionate about. Um, it's just the fact of, right, if they can't, if, they can't, if they're not financially in the position for a financial advisor to say, yes, you will take you on, what can we do? Because it's not fair. You know, they're already, it's, I think it's something like, um, I saw some statistics with and it's part of my training I do as well. And it's something like people with Parkinson's are automatically £16,000 worse off each year compared to other people because of the amount of things that are doing instead of medications or the appointments, yeah. so many other things, inability to work and stuff like that. So, so I'm really glad to see that that's part of it as well. Yeah. Um, so in terms of data, so this will be something that, you know, I'm sure you can give me insight on as well, is that when we do get a cold call or when we're getting that text message and things like that, how have they got our data? Because I, you know, I certainly, I don't put my details in everywhere and anywhere. And as I say, sometimes I'm lying about what, you know, information about myself. Um, so generally my birthday is always the 1st of January of some random year at some point. Yeah. So I, again, on social media, I'll sometimes get, oh, it's your birthday. I'm thinking, well, how what? You know, it's just like, <laughs> no, it's not. Um, but um, where do they get it from? I, I, I don't even understand where they're getting it from. In the most unlikely probably of places that you probably haven't considered in the sense that uh, shopping websites that you may may use just once and you fill a phone number in, um, uh, emails that you, you put in that are then sold onto other data brokers who are then trying to build a picture of you. It's not, you know, advertising in that sense, it's if someone wants to email you or, or, or write you a letter or various things. I think these, these, these are different types of advertising techniques from me ringing you up and saying, I've got a better life insurance deal for you. You should take it. I think one of the big problems, and, and we're talking about protection here, I think one of the big problems about with protection data is the amount of, of um, Excel spreadsheets that go walking out of, brokerages and intermediaries right. you leave the firm you export the details with you you go to a new firm guess what i've got a thousand new clients for you to call that's a problem mm. and it's a problem that actually the industry doesn't really talk about in general but it happens a lot and one of the reasons there is i think as an industry the the data practices are often quite poor actually in terms of who has access to what and, and how much data and where it's coming from one of the things that you know one of the things that we're doing right now is we are automating um the way that feedback data is given to lead generators because look i kid you not there'll be listeners right now listening to your podcast who will send data feedback to lead generation partners in excel in an excel spreadsheet they'll literally say mm. here's all your here's all your data here's all your feedback the last three months consumer feedback what's happened the, the 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 potential for leakage there is clearly so significant yeah. what we're what we're doing with a, a number of firms is we've built a sort of almost private anonymized data feedback sharing loop where so so an intermediary can still feed back to their lead generation partner but it's done in, in a secure anonymous fashion rather mm -hmm. than here's an excel spreadsheet you get so i think i think one of the things that i would like to see um which could really challenge this this sort of leaky data is for insurers as well as asking for a medical and the various 
compliance questions that you all have to ask before you put someone on risk. Mm. I want an, an insurer to ask as part of that risk conversation, where has this consumer applied? What landing has they applied, page has they applied? And what level of oversight do you have on that consumer? And that then might lead into, well, actually, you know, we, you know, we, we certify everything they do or we run this process or we run this process. The FCA is so unusually, un- I mean, I've been following this sort of regulation for a while now. They're so unusually crystal clear on what they think the consumer duty means for advertising. You have to have, if you're buying leads, if you're, if you're working with the marketing agency, you have to, you, the buyer, has to have, have to have full oversight and audit mm-hmm. over what's going on. And I listened to Tom, you, know, you and Tom talking about mystery shopping. It means yeah. mystery shopping. It means going onto that website and checking that that is actually the landing page that you're getting leads from. Yeah. Uh, now, a good lead generator is going to share that with you. They're going to share everything with you. Yeah. They're going to show you the adverts. They're going to show you everything because that's just the way this is evolving. Um, but that's that. That's what I want. That's what I want the industry to do at large. I want them to make the application to get a call back almost as important as the medical. Show yes. me where this leaders come from. No, absolutely. I was going to say, and just on from that as well, that just takes me back to something you said earlier, which concerned me a little bit when the insurer was sort of like saying, well, if we do that, everyone will leave. I'm thinking, but then you surely wouldn't want those people writing business under your name what? in a sense. And it's, you know, there's so many, I mean, you know, there's, you know, there are very, very key firms who are writing, you know, clearly each each insurer has sort of like a number of firms that are writing yeah. huge amounts of business with them, yeah. you know, and, and you know, there's not going to want to be relationships that are going to want to be, you know, but then it's a case of, well, let's not, it's, it's, I kind of think, well, it's not don't ask, it's yeah. ask and then let's figure yeah, yeah, out yeah. how to make it work kind of thing. Um, let me, let me- let me give you an example. Like, so, so we work with we work with AXA, one of our one of our sort of largest partners, and you know, I've worked with them for about three years. And that was one of the conversations we had early on with them, where they said to us, "All right, Alan, you want us to install uh, integrate contact state so that we've we have oversight of all our lead generation partners. What do we do if they say no?" Mm. And I said, "Well, what do you think you should do? Like, do you think yeah. do you want to buy leads from a lead generator who won't share their landing pages?" just you know what do you think and and, and like you know absolutely for such a large organization actor understood it immediately They're like yeah of mm-hmm. course we're not going to buy leads unless we can see exactly where it's come from yeah. and that's you know in, in, in answer to your question that's the sort of that's the message that i always give to, to, to clients yeah. new and, and current is it's not about whether they will or they won't it's that you've got three separate regulatory bodies who are mandating that you have oversight over yeah. where your leads are coming from and actually it's good for business and actually you know you should be spending more with those lead generators who who are willing to be part of your organization and have skin in the game um and that's by the way that's the way i see this sector going yeah. it's not going to be about you know hey Catherine, can i sell you 10 leads it's going to be <laughs> i want to be i want to be part of your advertising strategy for six months yeah. what do we need to enable that and that's the sort of sensible progressive you know yeah. uh way in which lead is going to go wouldn't it be so lovely not to get those linkedin messages right it would be right. so I mean, nice I mean, I, Look, let, let me tell you that I, I I get them. I, it's like it, that shows you how 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 little they like my in my literal LinkedIn profile. I, I I describe how I'm trying to separate cold call legion to genuinely, and I still get cold call legion. Yeah. I got a very large I won't name names. I got a very large financial services network who targeted me on Friday. They added me on right. LinkedIn. They said, "Oh, we'd like to we'd like to review your investment in your pension." My reply I said, "Look, I'm not going to be one of those guys, but." You've just cold called me for an. You've just essentially cold called me for an investment process. This is you're breaking all manner of like ICO yeah. rules. Like, what are you doing? Uh, and also, if you're going to do that, I just suggest that I'm not the guy you do that to. Uh, <laughs> um, but and I haven't had a reply. I waited for a reply. But, oh, uh, uh, you know, no. um, yeah. So. No, I think I think I've had similar before with them. Um, people who've contacted me say, I'm "Just wondering, you know, I really feel like I should review your life insurance." I'm like. <laughs> And it's just like, okay, did you actually look at anything to do exactly. with me? You know, it's just like, do, can you make it even any more clearer that you've just gone along and connect, 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 connect? But hey, but hey, listen, that, that's what I was saying earlier about cold calling, right? Like, I think when you get yeah. a cold call, you feel like you've been the victim of a targeted campaign. Yeah. You haven't. It's just that they're spamming so many people to get that one, that one yeah. point. And that, there's both positive and negative in that, in that, okay, your data hasn't been leaked, but also they're looking for vulnerability. And that, I think, yeah. is the most sort of pernicious 
part of this is that they're looking yeah. for someone vulnerable you know do you think um sorry heading towards the end of the podcast but do you think that um with the cost of living crisis and how we could find that people are more reluctant to maybe be buying new things right now trying to save money do you think that we might actually see some firms starting to turn towards more or maybe being a bit more lax about their review of where leads are coming from and in, in a you know in a sense that people could start to maybe get a little bit desperate in to try and just make sure that they they reach their targets and things like that I can't believe I'm going to say this um I've got a big birthday next year which means that I um I'm old enough to remember the last uh crash financial services mm. crash uh, late 2000s and what was a hallmark of the way the economy changed last time with a essential recession and rising mortgage quotes was the proliferation of high APR lending, uh, mm. significant payday loan lending. And uh, that sector had a boom and a bust, if you remember. So post 2008, it, you know, it got to a significant 2015. They had these businesses with these huge valuations because of the way that they'd essentially preyed upon vulnerable people. Mm. Um, and that came largely from a sort of desperation and cold calling culture um people thinking that they could just borrow a payday loan at 500 apr and then pay it back that's a long way of answering your question which is yes undoubtedly yes what we're going to see over the next year is predatory capital predatory capital for people that are just struggling to make ends meet to pay energy bills pay food costs pay you know rising battling low low wages and high inflation um people that's what's going to happen. Um, I'm, I'm sad. To, I, don't, I don't want to talk us into recession, but it's clear that we are in certainly for a bit of bit of realignment. And this is where a regulator needs to earn their money. This is where this is why we have a financial regulator, a data regulator, an advertising regulator. This time around, we need to make sure that we protect those who are vulnerable from otherwise predators. And so, um, so yes, I, I sadly think you are. We are going to see an increase in this level of um, of targeting, and I think it's up to us as a society and up to us as a financial services industry to more tightly regulate. Yeah. Um, this sort of predatory capital. Absolutely. Do you want to leave listeners with a bit of sort of like some key thoughts or something? You know, if they're an advisor and um, they are now sorry thinking, hang on a minute. Where are our leads coming from? What would be kind of like, what would be your suggestions to sort of like for people to uh, to have a really good review of where they're getting their leads? Yeah, no, no, great question. I, if you're an advisor, small or big, start thinking about lead generation, not as buying leads, but as a marketing function uh, where you might hire, hire a marketing agent to do your own website. So if you're a small advisor, get together with five or 10 other other advisors who need leads and form some level of you know network or coalition so that you have greater buying power but one of the things that lead generators love is they love big firms because they can, they can generate lots of leads and uh they'll all be bought by the big firm and it's one of the reasons why small advisors often miss out on good lead gen because they don't have the buying power so i would start especially if you're part of a network start putting pressure on your network to start thinking about how how that approach to lead buying mm. should work. Lead gen is just a sort of collective term for a consumer applying for something, right? It doesn't, it doesn't mean yeah. it doesn't mean anything other than consumer applying. So start thinking about, well, actually, you know, one of the things, one of the questions, um, uh, one of the points that 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 you made in a previous podcast, uh, one of your guests made it was that distributors aren't good at doing their own marketing. Um, and various life insurance campaigns have failed because you know they couldn't agree or, or whatever it might be now I, I just don't think that's true like the mm. skills the skills to generate a lead i mean look at what for example like tom and polly and Kansas are doing you know uh, look at what for example caspian are doing uh, in manchester they've generated their own websites and are using tactics mm. uh, that lead generators use to get people to, to to sign up except of course they're not selling those leads they're actually working them themselves and so creating good marketing websites is entirely possible entirely possible but you do need to have a degree of scale to make it to make it work. And so, I think if you're a if you're a smaller or a big advisor, first of all, think about it as as strategically. If you currently buy leads and you don't know where they come from, 
just be very clear in your own mind that you're in breach of a, a changing regulatory wave. And I think you need to go and work with lead generators who are willing to share and certify exactly how they generate those leads. You should you should have for every every lead you buy, you should have a copy of the consent that that consumer has signed up to in the consumer duty. And look, I read I read all five hundred pages of the consultation document twice. You know, I'm I'm one of those people. Um, there was something called the private right of action, PROA. That was the, the thing, and and in that the SCA were essentially gearing up to allow consumers to take their own action against fraudulent websites and fraudulent and, 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 and companies that buy the buy data fraudulently. So the example that you gave, for example, mm. uh, about someone who was missold a product, the SCA wanted to give powers a power to the individual consumer to sue uh, yeah. or to take action rather than do the opposite. It was a brilliant idea and it was modeled on the, TCPA, the Telephone Customer Preference Act in America, which allows individual consumers to take their own action for whatever reason, and I think there was a lot of industry lobbying against it, the PROA was 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 watered out of the consumer duty. It was removed. Right. In it, there was a note that said, we will be back. <laughs> we okay, will be good. back and we'll bring this back. <laughs> and so it's just something, I, I raise this point because uh, we want to empower individual consumers, right? We want you or I when we're thinking about our mortgage, to see a fraudulent website and say, right, that's wrong. They're, they're offering yeah. rates that aren't achievable. I'm going to take action. Or, or, or rather, you've missold me a product. I'm going to take action against you. I'm not trying to sort of herald the, uh, an American litigious society where we all sue each other. That's not what mm. we want. But I think, I think um, an equity release, a mortgage, a life insurance, a pension, these are the biggest investments, the biggest purchases you will make in your life. And we should, there should be more regulation that ensures that you can't scam me. Um, and so I raise that point just as this regulation is changing. Within two years, I predict you will have to prove that you have the consent for every customer you speak to, explicitly prove. So do it now, get, get, get ahead of the game. And you'll also be working with lead generators who are also of the same mindset and therefore are more invested in your business and want you to make sales. That's, that would be my sort of, like, sort of closing thought. No, that's absolutely brilliant. Thank you. Well, Alan, it's been really, really insightful. And I, and I love some of the little side tangents we've gone on as well. Um, so thank you, everybody, for listening um, to Alan and his insights into the consumer duty, consumer consent and, and everything else to do with what you are really going to need to start paying attention to on the for the consumer duty principle from the FCA, which is really kicking in. I believe it's next year, isn't it, Alan? It's, it's, it's next year. It's preparing it's ne now for next year when it's, it's really next kicks summer. in. Yep. Yeah, the FCA, the FCA have said they want to they want to see marketing plans by the end of October this year. So yep. I think that's the thing to be aware of. But yeah, it'll be enforced next year. Absolutely. So next time I'm going to be back with Matt Ran, and we're going to be talking through insurance options for people that have high cholesterol. It's an area that I'm sure many advisors come across in the protection space. If you'd like a reminder of the next episode, please drop me a message on social media or visit the website practical-protection.co.uk. And don't forget, if you've listened to this as part of your work, you can claim a CPD certificate on the website too, thanks to our sponsors, the Octo members. Thank you again, Alan. Thank you. Bye.